0: Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 27, recorded Sunday, March 1st, 2020. and thanks for listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Serpino. Hope you all had a great leap day yesterday and took advantage of the extra day this year. We certainly did. Monty and I conducted a really great PADI emergency oxygen provider class. The dialogue and discussion was really engaging, and all of us felt a lot better and more confident in being able to administer this critical element of first aid if it's ever needed. Knowing what and how to respond is comforting. We definitely want to continue to offer this training more regularly. Also, with the calendar turning to March, I think uh, we're officially going to call this Season 2 of Scuba Shack Radio. I think every March 1st or the first episode of every March will be the new season since I started it last March. We'll be taking the show on the road next week to the Boston Sea Rovers 66th Annual Clinic and hope to have a lot to report back on from that event. For now, we're going to touch on a couple of things today. We're going to talk a little bit about sacrate, the state of solar power in the United States, and we're going to look a, uh, back at our history of SCUBA a little bit with some of our equipment manufacturers from the past and that company being Voigt. So let's get on with the show. Do you know your sac rate? Do you know what sac rate is? No, in scuba, it's not the amount of time you spend sleeping. It's your surface air consumption rate. And do you think it's important to understand? Well, as you advance your diving, you bet it is. It is an important element in planning your dive, and with air-integrated computers, being able to monitor your SAC rate helps you to execute your dive more efficiently. I'm not going to go through all the specifics of the calculation, and I can provide those in subsequent blog posts on scubashackradio.com or on the Facebook page, but I'd rather talk a little more generally about your surface air consumption rate and how you calculate it. Here's a quick example that you can use to figure out your SAC rate. Let's say you did a dive with an average depth of 33 feet. So we know in seawater that's equivalent to two atmospheres absolute. And that dive lasted for 30 minutes. So we had a 33 foot dive for 30 minutes. And during that dive, you used 1,800 psi. That means that you would have been drawing 60 psi per minute from your tank at two atmospheres absolute. Now to get your SAC rate, all you need to do is divide that 60 PSI per minute by two because you were at two atmospheres. And that results in a SAC rate or a surface air consumption rate of 30 PSI. Now what can you do with this? You can really now figure out your gas needs for subsequent dives. There's a whole lot more to this, and I'm not going to, again, go into a great deal of detail on it. And there's a a Dan article that's a really great tutorial on sac rate. But think about it. Let's say you know that that sac rate is 30 psi at the surface. And you're now going to go on a wreck, and that wreck is at 66 feet. That's three atmospheres absolute. So guess what? you're going to be taking 90 PSI per minute from the tank. So you can plan accordingly for your reserves. You can now plan on if you have an aluminum 80 with um, you know, 3,000 PSI at the start of the dive, you're going to be able to plan how much time you can spend on that wreck and still have the amount of reserve that you need to get you and your buddy to the surface safely. Now in our advanced open water class, we have our students calculate their sac rate for all five dives and see how they are progressing. Most of the time, we see significant improvements, except for that last dive where we have them working with a lift bag. Actually, after the third dive, uh, our fourth dive of, of the advanced open water class is our deep dive. So we're able to start having them think about how much time they could possibly do to, on a 90-foot dive. Now, with air-integrated computers, you can track your SAC rate real-time. I know for me, when I'm trying to position myself for an underwater shot, I may glance down at my computer and look at my SAC rate and go, Whoa, it's really time to slow down as I start to, that SAC rate starts to go way up. Now, there's another element to consider if you're going to be diving tanks of different sizes end or in operating pressures, and that's called respiratory minute volume, or RMV. Now, we also expose our advanced students to this as well. We tell our divers that it takes about 10 dives to really start to zero in on your sac rate, and that you should really try to calculate it as often as you can. With streamlining and improved buoyancy and propulsion, you'll be sure to improve your surface air consumption rate. In episode 24, I talked about the state of wind power in the United States. Now I want to shift my focus to the state of solar power in the United States. Like the wind power industry, the solar power industry also has an association, and it is known as the Solar Energy Industry Association, or SEIA. And their tagline is, Building a Strong Solar Industry to Power America. So where do we stand? Like the AWEA or the Wind Power Association, they also have a state-by-state map on their website. And their data is current through Q3 of 2019. And according to the site, total solar capacity nationwide is 71.3 gigawatts, 71,300 megawatts. Now, that's not quite as high as wind energy. And I did see an article the other day in one of the the news feeds I I subscribed to that wind energy is one of the most or is the the biggest um, renewable energy source right now in the world. And that surprised me a little bit. I thought solar would be a little bit higher. They also indicated that there are 2,258,000 solar energy systems installed across the nation. And it looks like California is leading the way with um, 26.2 megawatts and 1 million installations. So where did our state of Connecticut stack up? Well, we're not too bad. We're at 641 megawatts with 40,000 installations. And that's a whole lot better than our measly 5 megawatts of wind power. I think the the, uh, idea with the solar energy is that there are a lot of smaller uh, installations like the rooftop energy solutions that are out there around uh, for homeowners. Now, according to an article on their website, and there's several articles out there, and they're written by Abigail Ross Hopper, who is the president and CEO of of, uh, SEIA, And Abigail, before joining SEIA, was the director of the Department of Interior's Bureau of Ocean Engineering Management, and before that, the director of the Maryland Energy Administration. So a strong background in in the uh, renewables. And according to that article on their website, that 71.3 gigawatts would power 13.5 million homes. Now, sadly, solar energy only accounts for about 2.4 percent of the electricity in the United States. Now, SEIA wants to make the 2020s or 2020s the solar plus decade, and that's uh, to look towards having a goal of taking solar energy from that small 2.4 percent to around 20 percent of all electricity generated by the end of the decade. Well, we only have 118 months left. Now, one of the things that Abigail talked about is how fracking has transformed the energy sector in the 2010s and really disrupted the energy markets. One thing it did do was it, it did usher in an unprecedented closure of coal plants. So I guess that can't be too bad. Now one of the things uh, also that was pointed out in these articles are that tariffs are causing some slower growth in the solar power industry. The opening is there for the expansion of renewables and in particular for solar energy. Storage solutions are going to be critical in the expansion. There's a great deal of information and material on the SEIA website. You can go out there, poke around, and learn more. And let's really hope that um, the SEIA's goal of the 2020s being the solar plus decade is met and we can all breathe a little bit easier. In today's final segment, I want to take a look back at a part of our scuba diving history. And that part of our history is on the early manufacturers, and one in particular named Voight. Now, I was inspired to do this based on the last episode of Sea Hunt that I reviewed called the Aquanets. And while the Aquanets were on the deck of the Coast Guard cutter in their rigs, you could clearly make out the Voight name on the first stage of their regulator. So that's interesting. Voigt certainly doesn't make scuba equipment today, so I thought I'd take a look back at, at their past. Voigt is a company that started in California in 1922 as a tire retread company. And because the owner, William Voigt, was an avid sportsman, he went into making athletic equipment, and particularly patenting an all-rubber inflatable ball. And Voigt still manufactures athletic equipment for uh, the balls today. Now, as a sporting good company, William Voigt Jr. moved them into developing professional dive equipment. And actually, Voigt was one of the first five companies in the United States to make and distribute scuba equipment. And those companies were U.S. Divers, Decor, Healthways, Swim Master and Voigt. So, are any of them around today? Now, actually, uh, Voigt bought Swim Master in the early 1960s, and Swim Master was originally called the Spear Fisherman Company. Uh, that started in 1955. Now, Voigt was a manufacturer of all the, the types of, of Scuba equipment, including masks, tanks, fins, regulators, and scooters, and they had a long history with Hollywood, and they, they supplied equipment for the 1955 movie uh, Underwater. They provided all the gear for Sea Hunt. They also provided the gear for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, both the movie and the TV series. And not to be outdone, they also provided equipment for the James Bond movie, Thunderball. So today I thought I'd focus a little bit on their regulators, and I found a lot of great information uh, on a website called VintageDoubleHose.com. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about some of the, the regulators that they made. So from 1956 to 59, they had something called the VR-1 Sportsman, and it was essentially the same as the U.S. Diver's Mistral uh, Regulator. They also had, uh, from 1956 to 1958, something called the VR-2 Mariner, and that was very similar to the U.S. Diver Navy-type DA Regulator. From 1959 to 1961, they had the VRC2 50 Fathom Regulator, and there was no U.S. Diver equivalent. In 1961, we start to see the AMF logo. Voigt was sold to a company called AMF, and that shows up on their VCR5 Blue Fathom 50 uh, Regulator. Now, from 62 to 63, they had the V-22 Polaris 50 Fathom, and that was, again, the same as the U.S. Diver Mistral. And then in 62, they had the V-55 Blue 50 Fathom Regulator. And then in 62 to 64, they had the V-66 Navy Regulator, which was equivalent to the U.S. Diver DA Aquamaster. Now, in sixty-six to seventy, that's kind of the last of their double hose regulators. They had the R twenty two and the R twenty two J. And the R twenty two J was one that had the three hundred PSI reserve capability built into it. And that was also a two stage balance regulator. And you can see on that one that it said Voigt swimmaster. Now, there was also another site that I poked around on called uh, www.cg-45.com slash regulators slash void, and we saw in there on that website that in 1972, they had a single hose regulator that they introduced, and in 1983, it looks like they stopped making regulators altogether. Now, a couple of other interesting things I found on that website was some of the prices for regulators. So, for example, in 1962, the Voight Conqueror sold for $60. In 1965, the Voight Avalon sold for $37.50. And in 1970, the Voight Dolphin II, which was used in the movie Thunderball, sold for $85. So I thought it'd be a little interesting to go through some of this real quick to see uh, how Voight played a part of our scuba history. And whenever we review uh, an episode of Sea Hunt for Sea Hunt It's Still Alive, we can be sure that Mike Nelson and all the divers are using Voight equipment, another part of our scuba diving history. Well, I hope you enjoyed episode 27 of Scuba Shack Radio and that you'll continue to listen as we move into season two of the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Um, As always, you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Please do that. And if you can give us a rating out there, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have any feedback or comments on the show, you can always get them to us through our website or through our uh, Facebook page. It's out there for you to take a look at. Keep keep out there for some great posts on some subsequent information about the podcast and the topics we cover here. We'll be off to Sea Rovers next week, Boston Sea Rovers, and we hope to have a, a report back out on that in a couple weeks. So we'll talk to you then. Bye.